in the house of the Lord. And uh, if there's one thing that has been uh, made very clear to us is how precious it is to be able to come and gather together. And that's um, one of the good things that I thank you. One of the good things that has been really a blessing in this time where we've had a lot of interruption in our schedule, and that is to say, Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to come here and to be together with our brothers and sisters. And um, so I'm very grateful to the Lord for you and um, very grateful for his providence in, in making this available again. I don't have a teaching sheet today, but we are going to be uh, visiting five different passages in Scripture. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 14. And as we do, I have a very important announcement to make pertaining to our seminar that uh, is scheduled in September. And... Um, I have prayed quite a bit, and many of you know that I have went back and forth before the Lord trying to determine exactly what it is that we're supposed to do. Uh, while I have not contacted everybody and their brother about this, I have been keen to listen to what people around the country and in various other nations are dealing with and what they are uh, viewing September through their perspective, and um, and laying all that before the Lord and praying, um, I feel that we have been given a very strategic role in the time frame that we're that we're in before the Lord, and um, particularly the events as Mark referenced and others have mentioned today, what's going on in our country. Uh, the turmoil. In fact, Mark was very graphic about that. Uh, and I think we all are aware of that. Um, we have an election coming up in November, and uh, there is a lot of vitriol going on in, um, in so many different corners of our country and in the world too. But I'm here in the United States. I'm speaking to the congregation here in Dallas. So for those of you tuning in around the world, don't think I'm forsaking you. This is for good old U.S. of A. Um, and, uh, you know, I, this past week I, was, I just happened to tune in to watch Attorney General Barr appear before that uh, committee. And it was almost like watching a Nazi tribunal. You remember, if you've seen any clips of that, they would bring in somebody that was either on the out list with Hitler, and these three judges would just rail against, and they wouldn't even give him a chance to talk. And that's what was going on with our attorney general, and it was, it was so exasperating. And if I had to hear reclaiming my time one more time, um, I, I thought I would scream. And there, there's just a lot of angst and a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of good things, but there are a lot of enemy desires, and the agenda is really strife-filled. And so we, we have a responsibility as saints in this season to pray. And I feel like what we're supposed to do in this September seminar 
is we're not going to have seminar as usual. It's basically going to be a virtual seminar. We will be having all the sessions the way we normally will. Our congregation here is welcome to come and attend. We'll be ministering. We'll also be having different types of activations that will touch the various locations around our nation and the world where we have outposts of saints and we're going to be giving a um, we're going to be giving a uh, a unified release from arterios to the Lord and a lot of this has yet to be orchestrated we've got some time to do this but we're basically going to be virtual now what about those of you who uh, we're planning to come. Perhaps you already have your tickets purchased. Well, reach out to me. We can talk about what we may be able to do about this. But there's one thing I do know about the things of the Spirit. You want to be in one accord. And you don't want to have 80% of your people expressing some trepidation about being here and some not coming and then them feeling that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm missing out or I'm letting people down because I'm not there. You don't want any of that happening. You want to you want to have your yay be yay and your nay be nay, uh, and you you want to be in total focus. And I feel like God is giving us a very good strategy as to how to do that. And so again, um, I don't want anybody to feel any type of um, uh, undue pressure toward making. A journey here. You know, we happen to be, you know, three of our main bastions of the saints are Arizona, um, here in Texas, and in Florida. And those are the three main hot, hot spots. And, you know, I was, I was talking with the church in Tucson, and they were saying that if you cross the border into New Mexico, you start seeing all these signs saying, if you're coming here from Arizona, you got to quarantine for 14 days before you can you can travel through, but if you stop, you're quarantining. You know, New York's already got, uh, you know, a hit list for people if they come in uh, from here, from God's country, Janice, from God's country of Texas, you've got to quarantine for 14 days. And so I recognize that there's a lot of that going on in, in travel. And so you, you take those things and you figure out what is our agenda from the Lord, from the Lord, and how can we accomplish that? In fact, not only can how can we accomplish that, how can we find the hidden gems and the power of God in the midst of what's laying before us? And so that's what, that's what I feel we need to do. And so, again, it's, it's largely going to be a virtual seminar. We don't feel any, want anyone to feel pressured to be here. We want you to be willing to to take a stand where you are. We're going to be coordinating this. We've got the, the wherewithal to do it with our live stream, with our Zoom links. And uh, in fact, I think that probably the afternoon sessions are all going to be Zoom sessions. And we're going to be coordinating with various parts of the country and in other parts of the world. And we're going to be standing as lights. And uh, this is something that I believe the Lord has laid before us to do. And so... Um, but again, if, if some of you have already purchased tickets and you just feel you need to be here, I'm not going to say don't come. Uh, we can talk about what role you can play, uh, and I'm really happy to do that. But we're not going to have seminar as usual here in September. We're going to turn it for the good 
in partnership with our Lord, and we're going to see God do things across this country and across the world that we've not ever done before during a seminar time. And so, um, anyway, that's a long, involved announcement, but um, I wanted to do it here at the beginning of the message so everybody tuning into the message would hear it. I'll be sending an email out to the network. And again, I'm, I'm open to be able to discuss with any of our pastors or leaders what thus says the Lord is for you. So, everybody okay with that? All right. As long as Rachel's happy with it, I know I've done a good job. Isn't that right, Robert? Isn't that the way you live your life? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just playing. You know, I was praying for you today during the worship time, and God's Spirit is really moving upon you right now. So expect a measure of a blessing. I don't know what it's going to be, but that's, that's good. So, and I just didn't say that because I was joking with you. I had that in mind already. So, um, so anyway, you're in Ephesians 5. I thought about what kind of sermon title. I thought about Awake or Redeeming the Time because that's what... We're not reclaiming the time, we're redeeming the time. But these are verses that the Lord put on my heart, and we're just going to, um, we're going to be a, a, an extemporaneous sermon. We're going to look and see what the Spirit says. Uh, 14, verse 14 of Ephesians 5. Wherefore, God says, Awake, you that sleep. Not woke, but awake. And arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, that kairos, because the days are evil. Wherefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's another time in Scripture where we're told to redeem the time, and that's Colossians 4, and we're going to read that right now, and then we're going to talk about this for a little bit. Masters, beginning at verse 1, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer. Watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Redeeming the time. It's interesting because redeeming is, is a unique word that has a lot of connotations in the, um, the time that the early church was living, when these were written. And if you were to study some of the koine usages of this word, it was, it was always used proactively, but it was used in some really unique ways. Like, for instance, if somebody was going to the market and they wanted to purchase something that was essential for them in whatever they were cooking or whatever their livelihood was. And if they saw a limited amount of what they were needing, say perhaps it's a certain ingredient, garlic or something of that nature, they would 
gather up everything they could. And they would, well, they would gather it all. They would corner the market of it. And that was what redeeming was. There were people that, um, you spoke about masters there, which is kind of interesting. We read masters, and it didn't necessarily mean slaveholder. It could have meant somebody, an indentured servant, or somebody that was serving in a particular household. And um, you know, some of you have worked in some really awkward environments where your boss was just a, what word can I use, Debbie Kay, on Sunday morning? I was going to say jerk, but I'm afraid somebody would think, I don't want my kid hearing that. They'll be calling everybody a jerk. So forget I said that word. But if you have a job boss that was like that, you know, it's terrible. I mean, you have to deal with that. And, um, but Paul is talking about that, and then he says in Colossians, redeeming the time. And that word was also used for somebody who would be uh, philanthropic, and they would go and say, you know, this person is under contract. They have to work for this number of years. I'm just going to buy them out of that and set them free from that obligation. That's really a cool thing, but this word redeeming was used in that way too. And it was used in a lot of different ways. You know, if you were a landholder and you wanted to buy contiguous properties and you determined that you could purchase all of the properties that surrounded you to expand your footprint of land, uh, if you redeemed all of that property, that meant you gathered it all and you gained it. So we're called to redeem the kairos, this kairos moment, because the days are evil. There are things that God has right in front of us that he wants to have redeemed through intercession. And there are things that are really very clearly a part of the national discourse right now. And I think if you just look at them, you can say, what is being focused on? How is the enemy coming in one way? And how is he trying to agitate, or that folly that Mark was talking about earlier, and what is God really wanting to do through that? And I, I made a list just for my own prayer times. Um, I was, I'm praying for, um, you know, I know one of the early prophecies that we had, and we've gone around this country declaring this, that there is a tremendous move of the Spirit reserved for the African-American church in these days. Just, I mean, a tremendous move of his spirit. And I remember standing on, at the Lincoln Memorial. We went up there, and we were with uh, one of our sister churches at the time, uh, all African-American folks who we loved dearly. And we were declaring in the very place where Martin Luther King gave his tremendous speech, a calling forth for the African-American, the sleeping giant of the African-American church, people who know how to follow God, people who will do whatever is necessary to serve the Lord, uh, people who will believe in prayer. We called that forth, and I'm still believing that. And I do believe that there are things that God is doing in the way of social reform and police reform, but I think the if you just stop at that, you, you, you're going to miss the mark of what else God wants to do. And I've been laying claim to the move of God's Spirit that's going to sweep through this land. And that's, that's one of those wonderful things. You know, all these young people that are, most of them are Caucasian, that are really sowing unrest and having Marxist ideals and trying to set ablaze federal buildings, 
You know, have we not said over the past year and a half, the Elishas are coming. God is raising up a group of young people across the world that are going to be mighty and valiant. I'm laying claim to that. I see what the enemy's trying to do. He's come in one way, and I'm laying claim to what God has already begun to fulfill, but what is going to be coming in, in even more dynamic ways. That, my friends, is redeeming the time. Seeing what God has sent us forth as intercessors prophetically and apostolically to do as a network, seeing what evil's trying to do and saying, all right, you're not getting all of this. We're laying claim to what God has said, and we're insisting that it would be. We are seeing that this is a kairos moment, a visitation moment, a stirring of the waters moment, and we are seeing what's happening in the natural, but through Pneumatikos view, through the eyes of the Spirit, we're saying, what is God wanting to do? See, the enemy is so deceptive. You know, one of the ways uh, that deception happens is somebody will usually come and they will do some kind of an act that keeps people's attention in one way so they can get away for, with something else. You know, I remember recently there was, uh, we had been in a ministry in, in Paris and uh, members of our team were at a particular restaurant and there was a distracting noise that happened and while everybody looked over there, something was stolen from our team members. That's the way the enemy moves. He comes in one way. This is the time of the Lord. This is the Kairos moment of the Lord. This is the transitional moment of the Lord. And the enemy comes in, and he's touching a lot of different things, but we're not going to be distracted by that. Instead, we're looking to what God has said, and we're going to lay claim to every one of those things. That's what redeeming the time means in the time where the days are evil. And there's a whole lot of these things happening in our country. There's another one. You know, the other night I woke up at like 2.40, and, and I... I uh, I either process the dream I've been having because I know the Spirit is waking me up or, or I try to be sensitive to what's going on or I listen to what my Spirit is thinking right then in God. And he was talking to me about the Methodist Church. And you know, the Methodist Church has been ravaged recently. There was a big split. You know, several of the Methodist churches that are around us right now are following other pathways. But there's a great group of people who were born in Holy Ghost revival. My roots are from the Methodist church, largely. And I would hear stories about how God would move in those early days. My grandfather was a circuit pastor in the Methodist church. And the people would sing in the spirit, dance in the spirit. There were supernatural manifestations. I'm not going to let the enemy take away that heritage. And so I'm laying claim to this. I'm laying claim for a great revival in those pure-hearted Methodists that are wanting the deeper things of God, who are wanting to stand with the Word of God. That's redeeming the time. And there's a whole lot of these. So we've got to look through the eyes of the Spirit, not necessarily through the eyes of the natural, because if we look through the eyes of the natural, we're going to get angry. And we're going we're gonna to start thinking contentious thoughts. And it's easy to do that, isn't it? It, it really is. Maybe some of you are so, uh, so, so super close to the Lord that you just, 
You just dwell in the ethereal fumes of the Spirit, and you don't let any of these things affect you. Well, I'm not quite there, you know? The Bible says, be angry and sin not. I don't want to miss the mark. That's what sin not means. I don't want to miss the mark of what God is doing. Yes, I can see something, and I can say, this isn't right. But one of the good things King Saul did, remember when Nahash was wanting the people uh, of, the, of, of, uh, of God to, to take out their right eye and submit to him, and Saul rose up in righteous anger, and he gathered the tribes, and they went and they put that guy to flight. That was one of the times where Saul's emotions were, were submitted to the Spirit, and it was a galvanizing influence. Sadly, Saul didn't keep a grip on that, and that was turned, and it really led to his downfall. But we're going to see things in these days that as human beings, we don't understand. We're going to see things that we think, well, uh, yeah, I, I believe in your cause, but I don't really like what else is attaching, and I don't like how this is happening over here, because you're, you're, you're really polluting the good thing by letting these other it's like, a, it's like an act of Congress. Well, let's do a good thing, but let's tack 15 other things onto it that nobody really agrees with, and let's fight about that when the good thing remains undone. So we've got to redeem the time for the days are evil. I think everybody here would agree that there's a lot of evil moving around in this nation and world right now, wouldn't you? And so we've got to look for the Kairos moment. We don't want to miss the mark of God. And we want to redeem as intercessors and as saints everything that God wants to do. So where you see the enemies coming in one way, make sure you look to see, God, why is he doing this? And what is it that you've ordained to do that I need to partner with you in and say, let God arise there? So redeeming the time, redeeming this Kairos moment is something that we all must do. And we should not be under, uh, Ephesians 5, we should not be unwise. Uh, we should know what the will of the Lord is. And I've just been talking about that. And you say, well, I don't know what God's will is. Well, we've just talked about three or four of those. You know, what would God want to do? If there's a denomination that's gone sideways and split, what do you think God would want to do? You think he wants to stand there and lambast those that left? Or would he like to say, all right, like Abram, when Lot left, now we bless Lot, but now I'm going to give you everything, Abram. I'm going to release a blessing upon you. That's what we should be doing. That's the will of God. And so we, we need to walk um, and wake up to this. You know, awake. And don't, don't get lazy. Don't get sleepy-eyed with this. Don't become so weary in well-doing that you, you don't really see. Stay aggressive in the things of the Spirit and redeem the time. Now, this is your privilege as a pneumatikos intercessor, and this is a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to, to move in, in God. Now, let's go to um, the three other passages. We've talked about well, how we need to redeem the time. But let's consider the evil days. And let's make sure we hedge ourselves about these things that God promises will be coming so that we don't become overwhelmed by them 
And so that we be become uh, absolutely adamant in our stance for God. And it's not that we don't hear opinions. It's that we, we stand. When we've done all to stand, we stand there. We don't vacillate. We stand in the gap. You know, one of the greatest, one of the greatest, remember we taught about Peretz and Peratz a lot over the years. And we said, as an illustration back then, if when you stand in the gap and you set yourself uh, in, in position and you secure the place, then blessing and Peratz will come. This is Peratz Sunday. So we are standing in the gap. We're believing for breakthrough. God's already bringing it. And we, we said, look around the world or in, even in neighborhoods. If there's a place that's in, not secure, are businesses going to invest there? Are people going to want to have their livelihood there if it's not secure? Well, of course not. It's the Peretz Peratz principle. And I've heard so many times, even just in reading newspapers, um, and I scan a lot of different things early in the morning after I wake up and pray, and then I do some speed reading and keep abreast of what's going on. You know, how many businesses are moving out of Seattle and out of uh, Portland right now? Do you know how many? Millions of dollars a week are leaving that economy from people who say, that's it. I, I can't trust my business here anymore. I, it, it's, not, I can't invest there. I mean, it's a recipe for financial ruin. It's the Peretz and Peratz principle. And so um, we, we need to stand on what God's giving us because when you begin to vacillate, the enemy comes in and then he takes over. And we don't, we don't want that spiritually. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There are a lot of things that God speaks about in this passage regarding this. But right now, those two things are preeminently being released in throughout Christianity and throughout the world in a lot of ways, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we've taught on this before to some degree, but seducing spirits is a Planos kind of influence where it says, you know, it's just a wide open pathway. You just go and do whatever you want to do. You know, I know, I know where I should be, but it's not going to be any harm me going over here and drifting off over here, and before you know it, you're just out on the prairie, uh, susceptible to all kinds of things that could come against you. That's a seducing spirit, the Bible says. And there, there is an, an, a spirit influence from the enemy that's trying to drive people away from where they're supposed to be serving God and what they're supposed to be doing. And it begins subtly. You know, just take a little bit of a step away and then another step away. And before you know it, you're so far away, you don't even see where you began. And you think you're okay. That's a seducing, not mindset, but spirit. And there is a spirit that's driving this. And then when the enemy gets you far enough away, then the doctrines of devils come in. Satanic doctrines, viewpoints that are wicked. 
And I think one of the most ridiculous deceptions that has happened in the past couple of years is what we used to call ecumenicalism. You know, when I signed my papers with the High and Holy Assemblies of God in my licensing and my ordination, one of the things I had to write and say, I'm sure Pastor Fabian had to sign this too, uh, that we do not believe in ecumenicalism. And that, what that means is all religions are, are, are directing toward the same way, and they all have some glimmer of light that we should embrace and bow down to. We had to sign that. It used to be called ecumenicalism. Now it's called well, let's not be rigid. Let's just open ourselves because the Buddhists, the Taoists, the Hindus, all of the, even all these rogue Catholic leaders, they all have light. And we're all heading the same way anyway. And that is a specified doctrine of devils. It just is. And that's happening in so many places. So, we need to be watchful over that. Now, I'm not saying that you don't pay attention to what others are, are saying, but you should know enough about what you believe to know what's wrong and what's right. Now, I used to study numismatic coins and different things of, of uh, different currencies that happened in our country. I thought it was fascinating the various banks, you know, uh, I saw an article recently about um, the Mormons when they first started. They had a, a bank in Kirkland, Washington, uh, Kirkland, Ohio, and uh, it was the, the the paper was signed by Joseph Smith, and um, so they they backed this all by property and uh, real estate. And then when they moved westward, they took that same currency and backed it up with gold this time, but the same, very same currency Brigham Young also signed on. And I thought, that was just fascinating to watch this. But back in those early days, there was so much counterfeiting, you know, because people from around the country wouldn't know, okay, this is right, this is wrong. And they just accept things and they, they would really lose out on a lot, of, a lot of their treasure because they were counterfeited. And I, I know that in our government, if, if there are those that are expert in gleaning what's a counterfeit, the way they become expert is to know what the real absolutely is. And they would become so secure in what the real was that when the counterfeit came, they'd immediately be able to say, this isn't right. We should know what we believe so well in the Scripture that when we read something else or we hear something else, Immediately, it's not that we're being judgmental, but we're weighing it all by the eternal truth of the Word of God. And one of the things the enemy is doing right now is he's trying to convince people that the Scripture is not true. It's just not accurate. You can't base anything off of it. There are a lot of other words, and there are a lot of other viewpoints that we should behold to. And that's just, that's a, a demonic that's a demonic principle because if, if you don't take a stand, you'll fall for anything. And that's just a truth. And there's a lot of ways that the enemy is trying to undercut, undercut, undercut what we know God has said. And it's, it's a demonic patchwork doctrine aimed at thumbing its nose at God 
and causing people to miss what the Spirit of the Lord would say. So people will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We need to stay focused on what God's Word has said. And Paul talked about this twice in his writings to Timothy. And it's kind of interesting that both of them happen in the fourth chapter. We just read in the fourth chapter of 1 Timothy, I guess Paul, when he was starting to write this next epistle, um, about the time the fourth chapter would roll around or, or that space of time, he'd talk about it again. And here's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But because of their own lusts, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. That is exactly what I was just trying to say. It won't endure sound doctrine. And instead, what's the pathway? Lust. Now, this isn't having slack-jawed slobber coming down your, your, you know, it's not that kind of thing. It's really an iniquity. What way can the enemy get into you that will cause you to begin to be unsettled in your place and therefore say, I'm going to depart from this. I, I'm, I'm going to leave it. And you start finding fault with sound doctrine. And what, what kind of teaching can I fill the void? And, and, and my lusts within me want to be told this, and it becomes almost an addictive thing. And in it comes. And, you know, I'm going to make this statement into the spirit realm, but over this network. And, and I'm just saying it, and I know all of you believe this. As long as I am the leader in this house... We will not depart from the Word of God. We will not depart from the Scripture. It will not ever pass away, the Bible says, and we're not leaving it. And we're not going to bow down to any other doctrine that would compete with the Word. And we're not going to, you know, the Bible warns in the book of Revelation that for those who take away from the prophecy of this book, there's damnation coming. I will not subject this people to that, and I will not subject myself or, or my family to that. I, I just won't do it. So just forget about it. That ain't happening. We're standing on the Word of God and because it continues to speak. I don't, I, there's one way to salvation. There's one way to knowing the Father why do we, when we find that way and we're delighted in that and our soul is satisfied and our spirit is invigorated by it and we found the true, why would we leave that for some other nonsense? Why would we do that? I mean, if you have a business and you're, you're making millions of dollars a day, why would you say, oh, you know what? There's probably another way for me to make a couple thousand. I'm not talking about diversification. But I'm saying if you find a formula that works and you find the best formula, stick with it. And don't let anything blow you out of it. This is just a, an amazing thing that is happening in these days where perilous times have, uh, are coming upon the, word, uh, upon the world. And, you know, 
Verse 2 of that passage I just read says, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You know, and I'll say another thing about the word, and then we're going to move on to this last passage, and then we're going to be done. God's word is still speaking, and it's, it's speaking volumes. And as, as long as we're walking together as saints, we're going to continue to go for the deeper revelation of his word. Because he's the word. If you say, I don't want any deeper revelation of scripture, you, what are you saying? Lord, I don't want any deeper revelation of you. We, we're saying to the spirit who wants to breathe a deeper insight, I don't want that anymore. And if you say that, you, can't then, you cannot then say, I just want more of you, Lord. That would be like back in the days when you were kids and you were dating somebody, and you said to them when, when you first got in the car or whatever, look, I don't want you saying anything to me. I just want to be with you. Who says that? Anybody said that to you, Janice? No. I, I, that's just ridiculous. You know, I don't want to hear from you. I just want to be with you. That's ridiculous. That is, that is resisting sound doctrine. And we cannot go there. So, Lord, give us the, the hidden riches of darkness and give us the, the increasing revelation of your word. Uh, that is the answer. That is what the enemy is, shows. He, you know, he said to Eve, has God said? He doesn't say, has 50 other opinions said? He said, has God said? When he met Jesus in the wilderness and the Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness, the enemy says, it is written. And Jesus answered back, it is written. He didn't say, well, you know, this guy over here thinks this. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can believe that scripture anymore, but I've got a couple opinions, Satan. No, it's the word. Our sword is the word. And we must have the word. Amen? So, sound doctrine. Bring it on. Let us hold on to it. You know, Rose, that's what you went to school for. And you studied that. And it was, it was the rigor that you were trained in. We all have that passion for the Word. And we're not, we're not surrendering it. We're going to hide it in our heart. We're not going to miss God. And so it's not like, you know, over the years I've said that when I come up here to preach, I'm going to preach what God gives me. I'm not going to preach what somebody else is preaching. And that's, some people have interpreted that as being, so well, see, he doesn't want to hear from anybody else. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I read all kinds of things. I, I try to stay abreast of all kinds of stuff. But I never let that stuff detract me from the Word. I never let that stuff pull me aside from what I know God's Word has said. And, but for you, I don't want you to think, oh, you know, pastor didn't really want to do any cooking, so he just went out and got some fast food and brought it in. You know, I, I, I can't do that to you. I couldn't do that to the Lord. So anyway, we're sticking with the word. Last passage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
At least you're being able to have your rustling of leaves. <laughs> That's what pastors used to say when people were trying to find the book of Hezekiah. Glad to hear the rustling of the leaves. <laughs> oh. Okay, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? This day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself against all that is called God or all that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember, I, when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know that withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. The mystery of iniquity already is working, only he who now is restricting it um, will, will hold it back until he's taken out of the way. And then that wicked, this is anomia, this is the man of lawlessness, will be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is in accordance with the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. We're seeing a lot of those today. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they were not willing to receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they might believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brothers, be beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Stand fast, verse 15, and hold the traditions where it, which you have been taught, whether by word, logos, or by our epistle. This is such an interesting thing. And we need to recognize that this is going on right now. So how do we view this and redeem the time? How do we do this? Well, first of all, we need to hold on to the authority of the Word and the authority of God. There's such a movement across the nation to do away with law, to do away with those who enforce any kind of law, to uh, be lawless, that there's no accountability for the things you do, that you can just do anything and whoosh, back out on the street. This is terrible. It, it's just, it's, it's the man of lawlessness. And what it does is it sets the, the tone for the enemy to come in and set up a new structure because when people disarm, then anybody with a nefarious intent can come and take over. And um, so there, there's, a, there's a man of lawlessness and is working after the power of Satan. Remember we talked about the enemy recently and we said that the iniquity found in Satan, which the, in the Old Testament it declares, is that spirit of injustice, the, the, the spirit of, of everybody is doing me wrong and I have an ax to grind. 
And there are so many of those in the nation. I mean, you could swing a stick and hit 50 of them when you leave the parking lot. Everybody's got some kettle of fish that has really, really been given to them that's just terrible. And I know I could sit down and come up with four or five of them that I could just lament. But that's the way the enemy moves. He works on that because it's, it's kind of like a fifth column within every person. Every person has something that they could say, yes, uh, there's an injustice that's come against me. And, and if they open to that, the enemy can get right in. It's how he deceived principalities. It's how he deceived entire legions of, of angels when they fell. Undoubtedly, I wasn't there. But given what I know the enemy does today, he went to them and said, do you know what the one who sits on the throne is doing? They've got somebody he's going to create that's going to be like him, and we're going to all have to bow down to them. And that's not right. That, that's not right. In fact, we can be like him. We don't have to submit to this creation, and we don't have to follow him anymore. We can have our own laws. We can have our own power. We can be just like him. That's what the, the 250 princes of Israel came when they came to Moses and said, Moses, you take too much on yourself. We hear from God just like you do. God didn't look very kindly to that. Even Mo, Aaron and Miriam, when they crossed over the Red Sea, and they, they had that, uh, uh, they were Jehovah gyrating everywhere, and they were playing the tambourines and singing, a horse and rider cast into the sea. And pretty soon they looked at Moses and they said, you know what, we don't like your wife. and We don't like the way your family is going. And we're going to let you have it. And boy, God came down and he wasn't having any of that. And so, you have this, this issue of the enemy where he always moves in this way. He even said the same thing to Eve. You know, what has God said? Well, you know, he's pulling a fast one on you because he knows if you really went over and ate of that tree, you would be just like him. You would have the ability to do anything. And what did that create in Eve? Oh, yeah, you got a point there. He's holding back on me. He's keeping me back. That's the enemy. And so this man of lawlessness is moving after the power of Satan. And we see that today. So how do we redeem that? And I'm finished with this. I'm finished after this. Don't say how long that finishing is going to be, but I'm finishing after this. Um, I think, well, first of all, we need to recognize it for what it is. And I, I think we also need to say that the enemy recognizes that there's been a page turned and we're in a new time frame now by God's directive. And so we need to begin to lay claim to the fact where we see the enemy moving this much that what Monica mentioned this morning about a great move of the Spirit coming and I'm ready to see this happen, that's on the doorstep. And we need to lay claim to that. And we need to redeem this Kairos moment. And, but we, we don't need to be ignorant. We don't need to we'll look at the things that are going on and just be slack-jawed in disbelief and go over into anger, even though that's easy to do. We need to view everything by the vitality of the Scripture 
and know what we know in God and begin to redeem this time. We need to begin to lay claim to this Kairos moment. And we need to say, yeah, there's a lot of activity here, but this is minuscule in comparison to the sevenfold that's coming. Do you see this? So don't give place to a denial of the word and sound doctrine. Don't go off into a seducing pathway. Don't allow yourself to become itching-eared with giving place to iniquity in your life. Don't let lust lead you away. Stay true. God has put you on this earth for this time, and there's a great move of His Spirit that is already happening. But again, you know, as was taught in Sunday school today, there are a lot of currents. These, these seducing influences, this, this man of lawlessness, the enemy, this, it's a trifecta of enemy influence, and it is sweeping powerfully through this land. But we need to be like Pastor Larry in his sailboat. We need to learn how to turn the sail into the wind so that it works for you instead of blowing you over. And this is what we, we, need, to, we need to do. And believe God for what is coming. Amen? Father, I ask your blessing upon our church here in Dallas. I thank you for each of them. And I thank you that your blood is upon every one of us, that we are preserved and that we are well, and we are healthy, and we are blessed, and we are encouraged and moving forward in the things of the Spirit. And I continue to declare that type of environment, that type of agenda, and that type of manifestation of the Spirit upon all of us. I thank you for our network family, wonderful men and women of God who are standing faithfully in their terio appearing before the throne of God with all of the saints and angels. And, and I bless them as well. We bless you from this house. And I thank you, Father, that this season is going, we're going to look back on it and we're going to say, Lord, thank you because you've allowed us to step forward in you and we have truly been blessed to redeem this Kairos moment. And in the midst of these evil days, we're not focused on the evil days. We know they're there, but we're busy redeeming the Kairos because it's your Kairos, it's your time, and it's your will. So we lay claim to that. Father, we thank you for all of the privilege that we have in walking with you. Thank you for letting us be here today, and thank you that as we leave this place or leave wherever it is that we're watching this, we're with you. We love you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless all of you. Thanks so much for being here. So good to see you all. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you soon.